0: everybody welcome back to the neutral zone podcast i'm maximo alongside paul de los santos as always still working on the new logo i promise it's coming but here on the hockey news we've got exciting news to come out uh soon maybe today maybe uh tomorrow depending on when this is released but look paul and i have done some discussions here on the neutral zone and we've talked off the record here about where we are in the season and uh look it's happy halloween i'll be Linguini from ratatouille and (laughs) uh paul i don't know what you'll be but uh look it's we're through phase one of the season, in my opinion. Uh, how are you, man? And uh, uh, what are you doing for Halloween?
1: Not really much to do on Halloween. I mean, it's my sister-in-law's birthday, so I'll be going to her birthday party. There's no costumes, typically, at these things, because I don't really dress up for Halloween. I'm not much of a dress-up type of guy, but it's one of those things where it's just like, I'll uh, just go along with the flow. Um, everything's good. You know, Vegas, doing what they do. I mean, going to overtime, three straight games, it's and exhausting but it is what it is
0: <laughs> yeah for sure happy birthday to your sister-in-law it was my birthday yesterday on the 30th so you know we, we don't like us people who have birthdays around halloween we want it to be our birthday not a halloween party and then oh yeah it's your birthday but look i digress you talk about vegas being in three straight overtime games and uh look in episode one of this if, if everybody who's listening and watching remembers You said the path to 0-10 for the San Jose (laughs) Sharks. And, uh, well, the path was followed.
1: I mean, surprisingly, you got a point against Colorado out of all teams. In game number two of the season. Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't expect it to. I really thought the Sharks would actually, like, truthfully, I was just joking when I said 0-10, but they really did get to 0-10 somehow.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're close to, you know, obviously they are nine and one officially, but that is still 10 losses out of 10 games. They've scored 10 goals. Uh, they went over almost 160 minutes. I think it was like 158 minutes in total uh, and like 10 seconds where there was no uh, goal scored for the Sharks. It was something of a, a brutal travesty, if you will. Uh, a couple of injury notes, updates for the Sharks. Look, no couture. I've talked to you about this, Paul. They need him and... He had another setback. Uh, hasn't skated oh. since Friday. Uh, there's no like Quinn couldn't put a timetable, and and there's frustration from from Couture. Or there's frustration from the coaching staff. Obviously, you know, not frustrated at Couture, but just at the situation of you know he got hurt one to two weeks before camp or whatever, and he just hasn't seen the ice with the team at all
1: in any scenario. And and given where the Sharks are, like they need him. Oh yeah, they need they need some type of leadership it seems like. They just need someone to really step up and lead this team because right now you got a lot of guys who aren't really necessarily ready to lead on their own. They need some experience on especially on the top line. You need yeah. you need that top line to be drivers and I think missing Logan Couture is so vital to that team just from an emotional standpoint. You tell me like when I was talking to Jack Eichel yesterday um, he mentioned how Mark Stone is literally the heartbeat of the team And I feel Logan Couture as the captain is that as well I feel that Logan Couture missing is is a big part of what they are I think he's their identity, he's their captain for a reason yep. And I think there's uh, something to be said about missing your captain in critical moments I think I, uh, he he's feels like the, back, the backbone and the heartbeat of that team He's the, one of the more veteran guys who's been around the Sharks from both highs and lows Right. So it feels like he can really drive this team and be the guy to kind of get them out of this funk.
0: Yeah, for sure. Look, I mean, the fans here have scrutinized him as a captain. You know, they don't feel like he's uh, uh, you know, there's some, I wouldn't say all of them, obviously some of them do, you know, like him as a captain he's obviously a good player and, nobody's knocking him for that but sometimes people are thinking well maybe he's not the best captain this stretch right now without him is proving why he is the captain right I I compare it to Jacob Truba you know when he was named captain people were like well why isn't it Chris Kreider situation here is why isn't it uh why isn't it you know Tomas Hurdle or Mario Ferraro has been a leader for this team in a while why isn't it him is there somebody else that could do it And, and now you're seeing why Logan Couture is the captain of the San Jose Sharks and without you know without him they're missing not only their leader but a big key piece in their lineup as well and and look they got Mikael Grandlin back and he made a difference against um who they finished against Washington he looked he actually looked healthy and like the first game of the season against uh against Vegas but uh he looked healthy so that's one of two players back and David Quinn has told us many many times you know without those two they're they're or with those two not they're a different team and 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 you look at Vegas' scenario, obviously your team that you cover, you know, Zach Whitecloud and Nick Hager are hurt. Uh, Nick Hague is
1: No, he's, not, he's, uh, he's his partner, but Zach Cla- Whitecloud and Nicholas Hague. Nicholas Waugh is hurt. Nick Waugh, right?
0: You know, two depth guys, but like Whitecloud is a, is, is a great defenseman, but he's not a leader on that team. No offense to him. And they can get by without him, but they could really use him. You look at a guy like Couture, who's going to be a, you know, he might lead this team in ice time this year when he gets back, if he gets back this season. And they don't have them, and then you take away the on-ice product, and you don't have his leadership skills at all either. And it's just an 0-10 oh, oh, and start is obviously not ideal for the Sharks. It, it, I don't think it was fully expected that they would go 0-10 oh, to start, but I don't know this team. You know, they try to do morale high. They play some games in practice today that are compete levels to just kind of keep them engaged, right? Quinn has said they got to be honest with them, but he's also got to keep morale high. So it's a tough, it's a tough balancing act. It really is. It truly is.
1: I mean, it feels like the one thing about it is, is that when you have a losing when you have a losing team it's you know, I mean, they they start pressing and I think that's only going to cause more issues. And the thing is that you know, on the flip side when we're talking about Vegas, I mean, you can learn as much from losing and winning. You can learn a lot from both scenarios. And it's just, you know, now it becomes a a question of what will work for San Jose. And that's the really tough part is that Nothing has worked so far. And that's the thing. And, like, how do you get players to buy it when nothing has worked so far? It's I easy you, to it, lose a room.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's easy to lose a room. I don't think Quinn has yet, and I don't think he will. But you mentioned something. They start pressing. They had the lead against Washington on Sunday, and mm-hmm. they they just couldn't get that second goal. They have 10 goals in 10 games. Like, if I think they get that second goal, I think they come away with a victory there. I think as soon as Washington tied it up, that was, ah, crap, here we go again. And doubt sets in, and they start pressing. They start gripping their stick too tight and when you're 0 and 10 as soon as one little bad thing happens it unravels just like you said
1: yeah and and i think i think once they break through and they will break through it's not they're yeah. not going to go oh 81 and 1 they're just not
0: once they, they break through point.
1: i f- i feel something's going to click for them i feel they can they'll have a tape that they can say this is the game that we played and we won a game and we did this is what we did to win this game and they can kind of look back at that and just replicate that and It's like i mean you know, Vegas has won nine of, nine of ten. They've earned 19 points of 20. It's incredible, but they have tape that shows here's what worked for us. Yep. Here's what we need to do to win on a consistent basis. San Jose needs that tape because all they, yeah. all they have right now is tapes that they probably want to burn outside of Colorado, which, you know, outside of Mackenzie Blackwood giving up a late goal, but he faced a ton of shots, if I recall, in that game. 51. Oh, 51. See, you know the number better than I do, but 50, 51 shots. That's asking your goalie a lot to do, and that's... and to be perfect. If you're only going to score one goal a game, mm-hmm. and that's and that's what they that's what Santos is looking for. They're looking for that tape, looking for that game that they can point to and say, "That's that's what it means to be successful." And I think it was funny because was yesterday when the Golden Knights played Montreal, Montreal uh, Martin Saint Louis yeah. said, "This is the best game we played in a loss." Yeah. So but you look
0: at it, like you said, this is the tape why they didn't win but they could say they they you know they play well Like other than colorado even still they didn't have that sort of game like montreal that they don't have the ability to be like yeah you know what this is the game where we want to play like this every game and we may not get a victory but we played well enough to win this game the sharks have not played well enough over across 60 minutes to win a game
1: yeah and and, and they're still searching for it i don't think like you know i mean some teams will start slower but schedule, Like, I don't think enough is made about the Sharks starting schedule. I think yeah. it has been absolutely murderer's row having to go east after starting with the defending champs, the previous defending champs, Boston, Carolina, and then you go east. Yep. Then
0: you got uh, Nashville and then you face Carolina, Florida, Tampa, Washington. Mm-hmm. Like. All right, here you go. And now on Thursday, they get Vancouver, who's off to a hot start. And then the return of Eric Carlson comes on Saturday to a faltering Pittsburgh team, but has Sidney Crosby. So, and obviously Carlson is going to want to play as you know, when Carlson is determined, he wants to do everything. And it is a really exciting player to watch. You know, he's bringing that on Saturday. Um, and, and it's just that there's no breaks in the NHL schedule this year. We've talked about it.
1: There's just no breaks. There are none. And, and, you know, like on the flip side, like going going to why Vegas started with 19 out of 20. Yeah. They got a favorable schedule. I mean, I mean, more so because they got matchup, good matchups. I think Dallas was their toughest game. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Dallas was probably the toughest game. Their toughest challenge will probably come Saturday against Colorado. Yep. Uh, I'm excited for that one. I'm excited for that one too. So scheduling plays a lot of factor, and they can actually get like sometimes getting on a roll or not starting on a roll. Is based on what happens and how the scheduling gods favor you. I think that's something that will go understated. I think, I mean, to be fair, Vegas has played well, and San Jose hasn't in their yeah. in their games. But scheduling has a lot to do with that as you build your game and build confidence in yourself.
0: Exactly. Yeah, you got to build the confidence. The Sharks don't have any, and Vegas has all of it. Obviously, they won last season. And but, excuse me the uh, the other thing that. I think Vegas is doing is they may not be playing their best right now, but they're hanging around in games and getting good moments from great players.
1: Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing is that that's what Bruce Cassidy mentioned last night is that he learned the one thing that when they started 14 and two last year, he didn't know much about the team, which is incredible that they started 14 and two. And this year he knows that his team will stay in games. They're never out of it. Even down a goal. I, I, here's a crazy stat. Vegas has not had to pull its goalie at all this season. That's wild. Yeah, 10 games, they haven't had to pull their goalie because they've come back at critical moments, gotten a key goal at the right time, and they're getting it from different guys. All skaters who have skated for Vegas have scored at least one point.
0: And you look at the San Jose Sharks, who are 10 goals in 10 games, the guy like Mike Hoffman, who doesn't have a goal, Duclair has one fluky goal, Hurdle has one goal. The only guy with multiple goals on the team right now is Philip Zedina. And he scored two uh, in the first two games and hasn't really played the greatest since, um, you know, he's here for the opportunity and Gwen has juggled his lines, he's looking for some sort of consistency, he was able to play the line of Granlin, Duke, and Cunnan for the first time since the first game of the season, and they scored. So the consistency in that timely play just isn't there and it, I don't think it was, it wasn't not expected. But like they're expected to struggle, and it's showing, but they're
1: struggling a lot more than I think anybody could have seen. I think they are. I think I think chemistry is a big thing, too, as you discover. Yeah, it's huge. I think chemistry is really lacking right now. Mm-hmm. So if they can find chemistry, that's, that's the big thing. As long but as I they find it.
0: Yeah, the chemistry, the consistency, it's huge. Obviously, I think they get along in the room. I think it's a close team. But on the ice, it just doesn't – they aren't meshing well, and I think they will. I mean, look, there's a lot of turnover – Injuries. Obviously, they've lost Barabanov now, and, and and you know they've they've sent down Jacob Peterson and Thomas Bortolo. It's been a whole thing, and and not to just dwell on the Sharks so much, but look, Vegas is plugging along. They're doing Vegas things. Um, you know we're at the first checkpoint of the season, uh, and, and the Sharks are kind of where people expect them to be, although just a lot worse. Vegas is also opening eyes if we change, you know, flip the switch to looking at this from a Vegas point of view. People, you know, you you have talked about it multiple times on this, Paul, about how Vegas. Should not be counted out as a division winner again this season and/or cup contender this year. Even though you know they didn't, you know people say it's hard to repeat. They didn't change much. Obviously, there was no Stanley Cup hangover. It seems. What's other than what we've talked about? What's gone right already? The big like, like, why did people count this team out and how have they looked to you overall in this first checkpoint?
1: I think part of it has to do with like the East just overall getting better. I think just Eastern teams making moves and getting better. I think another thing is that. I think a lot of people like Edmonton because of what they have firepower-wise. Yeah, uh, Dallas gave them a tough go. They almost they were right. on the brink of coming back down three-zero. So it's and Colorado's you know Sands Landis Cog, They were they're still up there. Yeah. I think I think I think I think the thing is, is that I think by not making any moves, Vegas kind of slipped under the radar a little bit. Yeah, in terms of like people looking for a Stanley Cup champion, and and I think. Which I don't understand. The one thing I don't understand is Carolina didn't really do much either, but they were picked more than Vegas.
0: Yeah. I mean, they did a little things. Obviously they brought in Orlov and Michael Bunting, but other than that, like you know, you brought back Tony D'Angelo and D'Angelo and Orlov have been a bad pair and Bunting. I don't know if he's even scored yet this year. If he does, it's only one. Obviously they just got Andrei Svechnikov back and that's helpful, but they've also been dealing with injuries. I think Carolina will get going, but you know, I feel like they they had a good thing going. They tried to address it, and and they're still working for their chemistry as well. But you look at Vegas; they have that chemistry. It's built. It's there. The only change was Ivan Barbershev last year, who was a perfect fit, and they resigned him. You mm-hmm. lost Riley Smith, which stinks, and he's been playing very well for Pittsburgh. But Ivan Barbershev is an upgrade, and he's a cheaper upgrade.
1: Yeah, he's 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 in his prime versus Smiths in the back end of his career. And the truth yep. is, is that they're getting a lot of good production from Paul Cotter, and I think. Oh. That- Love that guy! Oh, who doesn't? He is he is fantastic. <laughs> he was actually he was actually muzzled last year because he is yep. he was he was unpredictable in terms of the in terms of what he'd say. So they didn't want him talking to us. This year, he's talked to us more than I could recall him ever talking to us last season. He is an incredible player. He's growing. He's growing confidence, and he understands his role. I think that was That's the biggest huge. thing that that was the biggest thing that lacked from him last year was his. Lack of understanding what he's gonna to have to do to really fit in an NHL game. He's physical. He's got a great shot. He Perfect skates dance. really well. He's the fastest. He's the fastest skater on the Golden Knights, according to stats. According to edge, NHL edge, yeah. yeah, NHL edge. According to NHL edge, he's the fastest skater. Paul Cotter has all the tools they need to replace Riley Smith, and that was the one thing is that people wrote him off. I think because he was benched last year for in favor of Barvin Barbashev. Yeah. But and I don't I don't know why. I mean I mean Paul Cotter's been probably the biggest upgrade in terms of player player performance from last season. I think that's the biggest thing. And they still got Pavel Durovayev, who's not bad. He fits yep. well with William Carlson. And that's the thing is that when you lose, like their depth is so it goes deep enough where they 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 can sustain one or two injuries. But once you get into the four or five, that's where the forward depth's going to be a little lacking because defensemen they're fine. But forward depth is really outside of outside of Dorofaev and Ron Bear, they have Brennan Brassan, but it's just they they go deep in Vegas, surprisingly. they their their top club roster is pretty solid. And that's what's Look, really contributed to the start.
0: He was a fourth round pick in twenty eighteen. He's twenty three years old.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like it takes a second. Look at you look at some of the other guys in the NHL byfield starting to look like a more bona fide NHL player. Kako and Lafreniere have top six spots now. Uh, you you look at some of the other 23 year olds like Paul Cotter was drafted young and developed slowly. And a lot of times it's hard for players young and old, you know, to, to, to understand their role. I think having that season, being a black ace in the playoffs, getting into a couple games, understanding what he needs to be to be successful, and just enjoying the moment is huge. And I think that's exactly what happened with Paul Cotter. He's he's a tremendous talent, and that goal he scored against Philly was insane.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, he put it on Instagram, and the boys gave him a little bit, and they chirped at him for a little bit. Oh, he
0: put it on Instagram himself. That's hilarious. Yeah, he put it. I'm sure he had to put money on the board for that.
1: Oh, probably he had to put money on the board. But the thing about Paul Cotter is that you know he he mentioned early that he wanted to be more consistent and i think it goes back to what we mentioned earlier about having tape well yep throughout the throughout the early games and the preseason they found tape on what worked for paul cotter yep and they kept harping on the fact that you need to be physical because you're a big guy yep who can skate which is a rare combination. Use that to your advantage and do exactly what we see on tape. And they're able to show him that. And now he knows what his ideal game is. He knows exactly what he should be doing. And that's going a long way for Paul Cotter's development. You look at the new age hockey
0: player, Leon Drysaddle, maybe not as good as a skater, but he's a linebacker on skates. Ovechkin, linebacker on skates. Malkin, linebacker on skates. Now you look at the guys like Paul Cotter. He's a big boy who can move. Stu Claire is a power forward. The Johnny Gaudreau's and and all those guys are still going to be there. They're going to be around. Patrick Line is another one. Big body who can skate. Kel McCarr is big. Tage Thompson is humongous. Mm -hmm. All these guys are big and can skate. Now, maybe not all of them are physical, but that go-go style, that bump and run, that create plays, that create turnovers, that's huge for players like that who are looking for a role in the NHL if they're not a superstar. Yes, the superstars that I just mentioned have their roles, but if you're looking to break in and become a good player before you become a superstar, you got to start somewhere. And this is the perfect place for Paul Cotter. And I think the environment and the coaching staff have brought him on at the perfect speed and winning, winning blocks out a lot of issues. And if they weren't winning, based on what they say about Paul Cotter now, would be highly more scrutinized if they didn't win. If they weren't winning, you know, why isn't Paul Cotter producing? He needs to produce. He's supposed to take that next step. When you win, you can take that next step slower, and there's not as much pressure on the young guys to perform now. Now, eventually, you'll get to that point, but he should have his role.
1: Oh, he'll definitely have his role. And the thing is is that, like, I think last two games, I think the one thing that really stands out of Vegas is that they haven't gotten really good production from their top guys. Marshall's been kind of quiet. Eichel's been racking up. He's a point-per-game player right now, but he's racking up more assists than goals. Neyvinson has done that. Yeah, Stevenson hasn't scored. I mean, he's still passing too much, I think, for him. Uh, Mark Stone's only got two goals. So they're getting, they're getting, they're getting goal. Imagine when these guys get going. Yeah. And this is exactly why I voted for Vegas as the President's Trophy winner when, when we did our preseason poll. I mean, they're yeah. just, they're just, I voted gonna, for them. Even when they're down, they're going to hang around. And because of their star player, they'll show up in the right moments and they'll win games. Yeah. And that's exactly it. And that's how I felt about Vegas. They, They'll have to play San Jose three more times. They play Anaheim a few times. They... Anaheim's been good, but still. They're not up to the level of Vegas, but they're good. They're fun. But they're not up to the level of Vegas. They um Calgary's a train wreck. <laughs> that, that that thing is burning. And that's
0: that, maybe we'll have to get our Calgary guy on here to talk about what's going on there. So uh... that that is
1: that is something else, and then Edmonton—they'll find their legs. I mean, this is what Edmonton does. Yeah, this is what Edmonton does, and Vancouver. It'll be another second-round
0: exit by Vegas. Like it's what Edmonton does.
1: Yeah, because they'll probably be two, three. Yeah, with Vegas being the top. Yeah, I can see that, or lose to Colorado.
0: <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean, look—it's—it's it's tough. The Pacific Division. Look, we had the Heritage Classic. Did you get a chance to watch it?
1: I watched a little bit of it. I mean, Did you, get a you know, how, to watch your favorite band in Nickelback. Oh no, no, no! I avoided Nickelback. And, You know, when Vegas plays Nickelback, it's it's a cringe moment for me <laughs> because they'll, because D- DJ Joe Green will put it in the mix. I'm like, at least it's not like consistent. At least it's not the actual theme song of your team, like it is for Edmonton. Yeah. So it's. I mean, I mean, I, their
0: first song they came out and they played Elton John. So yeah. I don't know. I think Nickelback gets bad rap. I thought they put on a good show, but the curse clearly is showing for both of those teams, as you predicted.
1: Yeah, and I I mean, one team is. I'm more surprised by Calgary being this bad than I am Edmonton, who always starts slow and they're implementing a new defensive system, and they just don't have depth. They're not the players to do the defensive system Vegas does. I don't know why. You know, it's a copycat league, like uh, like all leagues are copycat leagues. I don't understand why you look at your personnel and say, "We're gonna try and play like Vegas."
0: play your own style. Yeah. You can work on their other style but put your own spin on it. Like you have to cater like you're saying to the players on your roster. It, you, you can't play like another team without that roster.
1: No, you can't. And I don't think thing is that like everyone talks about McDavid versus Eichel like that's the forever Eichel it's doesn't two, want to talk totally about totally different players. Totally different players. I don't think Connor McDavid is going to be a as good of a two-way center as Eichel can be. I think I think McDavid's more of a scorer, while Eichel's a better two way player. Yeah. and that's and that's they work for their teams. That they works, work yeah. for what the team's supposed They've to do. They built their
0: teams around their stars, Eichel and McDavid. Now you can't build McDavid's team like he's Jack Eichel, and you can't build Jack Eichel like he's McDavid. That's not happening in Vegas, and that is happening in Edmonton, and it's not working. Like Jay Woodcroft, I like him as a good coach, but he just he pick something, stick with it. Pick something, stick with it. You had a defensive system that was somewhat working last year. Your goaltending is the same. Uh, I don't think it's improved at all. I think both guys okay. are going to play exactly the same as they did last year. Maybe a slight improvement from Jack Campbell. I don't see Stuart Skinner as, as a jump in, in in next season. But uh, look, the rest of the Pacific Division, it, 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 the Kings, they need, they need Phoenix Copley to be good. Cam Talbot's fine, but he's not going to win you a cup. The sharks are the sharks. Anaheim. I wanted to ask you on Anaheim. What are your thoughts on the Leo Carlson like resting him throughout the first half of the season?
1: I think resting him's a good move. I think I think they're not. I don't think there's a rush. If you're, I mean, I don't understand why. I understand why Chicago's doing it. They have they want the most maximum dollar ticket sales for <laughs> Connor Bedard. But if you're Anaheim, you're in no rush. Connor Bedard and Leo Carlson going back to the whole Jack Eichel Connor McDavid thing. Yeah. While they're in the same draft class, they should not be compared to each other. No, nope. they should yeah. not because Connor Bedard <laughs> is more, expected to do a lot more than Theo Carlson at this point. Theo Carlson. Throw is in too- Fantilli in there too, and Fantilli. Yeah, throwing. They're they're three different players. They're three different identities, and three different expectations from what the team needs from them.
0: Correct. They're all on rebuilding teams that are all in different points of their rebuild. Look at Anaheim. You know, we'll see what happens with the John Gibson injury, but they they are playing better um they their defense looks better i think zegris is they're, they're, people are seeing why zegris is meant not like zegris is a flashy player and he's going to be a great player in the nhl and is a great player in the nhl but he is not a guy to drive that team no and people forget about mason mctavish and he's showing it right now mm-hmm. mason mctavish is going to drive this team and be the winger or centerman i think he's going to be the wing though with Leo Carlson for years to come that's yeah. your core Trevor Zegris is your Chandler Stevenson he's your he's your Ivan Barbashev he's your with more skill obviously but obviously. he's that support star he's he's he he's not like a Brett Howden but he's he I'm trying to think of another thing he, he's the Chris Kreider to the Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin's. he's the he's the the Zach Hyman if you will of of the Edmonton Oilers, right? Mm-hmm. William Nylander is a better comparison, too. He's not Mitch Marner or, or Austin Matthews, right? So that's what, you know, that's what they are. And I think Mason McTavish is is, is a great player, and I think he's showing why.
1: I, th- I I think Mason McTavish, and also you have to take into account Troy Terry still there.
0: Like, yeah, he's off to a real slow start, too, and oh, yeah. he's still playing well.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, they're at different points of the rebuild, but I think Anaheim's closer to the end of their tunnel in the rebuild. Because once these young players start yeah. clicking... They're going to start competing with the, with the Seattle's and the Vancouver's and the Calgary's and, and for the playoff spot. And then eventually Vegas and Edmonton have, and LA have all have to fall off. They all have to go like, unless you're Nashville, you're never going to be consistently in the playoffs. At some point you have to yeah, go through a rebuild at some point.
0: And I think Nashville is going to try to uh, mm-hmm. congrats to Ryan O'Reilly tonight. It'll be his thousandth game. Look, as we, we approach, we got about five minutes left here, Paul. I wanted to ask you, we're talking about the Pacific Division, let's expand it. I want to ask you, what's, your, what's the biggest surprise team and or player? You can
1: do one or the other or both, uh, of the first of October so far. I want to say Vancouver more so than than Edmonton's downfall, because Edmonton always seems to start slow. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think Edmonton I think Vancouver just being as good as they are right now has been something that's been a surprise to me. Yeah. Um. No one really stands. Yeah. No one really stands out on Edmonton. They just seem to just chug along with probably the best goalie in the division. Edmonton? No. 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 Vancouver.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Demko. Demko is the best oh, goalie in the division by
1: yeah, far. By far. By far. Demko. Um. I think Vancouver doesn't really have a lot of things that stand out to you to just play good, solid hockey. I think that's the thing. Is that that had been the biggest surprise to me is Vancouver. Basically fighting with the Kings for that number three spot, and even the number two spot, if if you if you if you really want to count on Edmonton already. yeah,
0: yeah, I don't think you can count on Edmonton. But you look at the way that roster set up, right? You got Pedersen, you mm-hmm. got Quinn Hughes, who's playing awesome, and Demco. They're built closer to the to the Vegas Golden Knights than Edmonton is. Quinn Hughes, Philip Heronik is a terrific top parent. Philip Heronik's playing like 23 minutes a night. He's been a great pair. Quinn Hughes is playing elite defense. You throw in Pedersen, Besser, who's still scoring goals, and he's had such a weird time in Vancouver. And Tyler Myers looks pretty good. And they've got some pieces. They got rid of the OEL contract somehow. They've got some good pieces. And you still got Pod Colson still there, Bolvillias. Like, they've still got issues. But the way they're building their team, the big question remaining is, is Elias Pedersen. And I'd have to agree. The Western Conference, like, look, the central division is boring as hell mm-hmm. and the Pacific division is crazy top heavy, but also not all at the same time. Cause you've just got the sharks just in the bottom, but uh, you know, Vancouver has been really good. I think the biggest surprise to, to me, honestly, has been uh, the flyers. They, oh, they've, yeah. played, they've played some solid hockey. Now I don't think this is sustainable. I think Vancouver does. And I think Demco is the reason why. But the Flyers really—they—they're surprising me. They're—they're they're what I thought the Sharks a little better than what that I thought the Sharks were going to be. Um, I think the Sharks are going to be a little bit more competitive than this. They look like an AHL team, but I think the Flyers—you yeah. know—that I mean, Torts is going to get those guys going.
1: Oh, Torts is definitely getting them going. And the thing is that they're not just a team that relies on its defense; they can score.
0: I mean, you look at this—they were missing Cam Atkinson, they were missing Jean Couturier. Travis Sandheim was dealing with injuries and was the number two guy behind Provov last year. He's now the number one guy. And they said, you need to get stronger, more physical. And he, listen, getting Couturier back and getting Cam Atkinson back is huge. Now Travis Konechny is scoring even more because he's not the only guy getting watched, right? Last year, he was the only guy scoring because, well, he was the only guy who could. Now you take some pressure off him and Scott Lawton and Travis Konechny is getting easier matchups because you can spread them out because Katuri's is back and playing well and Cam Atkinson's back and playing well. And then you look at the defense where is where they struggle. But Travis Sandheim is playing really well. He's finally living up to that contract. And to me, you know, the Flyers, if they can hang on to Carter Hart, which I think they should and complete this rebuild, I think he'll be right in his prime. I think Carter Hart is not necessarily a superstar, but he's going to be like a Naden Hill or Logan Thompson or, or, or even... Uh, uh, like uh, I'm trying to think of other goalies, not a, not a Tristan Jari. That's, that's, that's not even a compliment. A Jake Allen, Sam Montempo, when you're organized in front of them, he's going to play well. And he's going to make those big saves for you.
1: He's kind of in that second tier. Like he can, he has potential to be in that second tier goalie. He's
0: in between that two, three for me. He's not in the Soros, Shosturkin, Sorokin, Vasilevsky and Demko. I would put right in between those first two tiers. And then you look at the guys like uh, Georgiev, who I'd put firmly in the second tier. I think he's playing really well this season, but he has got the Cavs in front of him. Uh, you, you've got the the uh, Philip Gustafsons. You've got John Gibson. Connor Halibux, the John Gibsons. And I think he's just behind those
1: guys. Yeah. I think that's a good place to put him. I think. But, I mean, if you ask Vegas, I think they'd take Connor Hart. <laughs> um, yeah, 100%. Look, uh, I mean, you
0: can't complain with the goaltending that the that the Knights are giving them right now, other than Aiden Hill's beautiful assist to Sean Monahan last night.
1: Oh, that was great. I love the dive and the wave, too. I mean,
0: he went all out. Aiden Hill, even at San Jose, we knew he was not one to touch the puck. He, he oh no, he we... was not. It was, it was stay, stay in your net, Aiden. Just stay there. Now, obviously, this was in front and it was what do you get? It, it happens. It, it happens. happens. And it they happens. won the game still. So, yeah.
1: I mean, Aiden Hill's like, like each, each goalie in Vegas has their bugaboo. Yeah. Like Logan Thompson is the bouncing puck and Aiden Hill is playing the puck. <laughs>
0: yeah but when you have a team like vegas in front of you they're Mm -hmm.
1: gonna succeed yeah they'll be fine and the thing is they have both short memories i think they 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 understand they understand when they make mistakes and they laugh it off and they're good they're good sports about the mistakes they make because they know after that they just they feel good about their game they feel confident in themselves
0: both players have confidence in their team in front of them and the front office have confidence in them Mm -hmm. so they know that there's not enough pressure like in san jose or in arizona or logan thompson when he first got to the nhl there was so much pressure on them to be like who's who's the guy like are they the guy and now they can be the guy together Mm -hmm. and you split that pressure up in half and they know hey mistakes happen like the coaching structure the culture that vegas has built is is something that the nhl team should model not their system their culture Fans love it there. Players love it there. I mean, if you're an NHL free agent next year with a cap jumping up and Vegas wants you, why would you say no? No state tax. You get out of out of the strip. You're in this beautiful suburbs in Henderson or wherever else you want to go. Mm-hmm. Great golf. The only issue is it's hot in the summertime, which you can kind of deal with. You've got a terrific nightlife if you're a single young player. Like, why would you say no? It's Florida with better hockey and better fans, if you will. No offense to Florida. They're selling out you, but since year one, the Vegas fans have shown up and been extremely loud.
1: Oh, they do. And then it's, it's, they, they really put the Nashville game plan on how to really build a fan base.
0: Yeah. And they've done a terrific job. And Nashville's fan base is terrific. They've got those chants and everything. And it's a great atmosphere at T Mobile. And, I think they're only going to grow even more and, and get even more popular in Nevada, especially after the Cup. I mean, there's kids playing all over. I mean, I've seen City National, I mean, they might be getting the Oakland A's out there, but look, it that's a hockey town through and through, you no know, matter what other sports join in there.
1: Oh, yeah, so it's it's a hockey town for its pro sports. It's still it's still a baseball basketball town for in terms of the youth, but it's going to grow in hockey.
0: Hockey is expensive and it'll it'll get more uh it'll get bigger but yeah. paul look we're running out of time here why don't you plug your stuff and tell us what you got coming up in november if anything
1: uh november is a busy month i mean not as busy as october but i mean i got a lot of stuff coming in and like i mentioned i got something working about paul cotter coming up and um, i can't
0: wait i love that guy he's so fun to root for too
1: he is he's a good guy he's a legitimate good guy
0: we love good guys in the nhl
1: yes we do <laughs> So I'm working on something about Paul Cotter, something a little in-depth about like how he's really developing. I'm working on that. And uh, just look out for more stuff on the VGK site, uh, THN.com Vegas. should
0: be fun. Obviously, American Thanksgiving is a huge point for what Pete teams say. Where are you at American Thanksgiving? That's what we're looking for. And we're coming right up on it, and I think we know where the Sharks will be. <laughs> uh, my question is for when I go to Boston on November 29th to travel with the team, will the Sharks have a win yet? My guess is they're going to have two to three crazy i know but look (laughs) uh i'm gonna have some fun stuff coming out obviously you know prayers up to adam johnson i'm sure everybody knows about that uh a tough break tough story so get protection i got myself some extra protection for the wrists working on getting the next stuff it's hard to find right now because a lot of people are grabbing it um but look you know uh thoughts and prayers to him and his family uh and, and look everybody mistakes and freak accidents happen i don't appreciate any of the sort of the racism going towards the player who who, you know, ended up with the incident, who caused the incident. Um, but, you know, we keep him with thoughts and prayers. And the best thing we can do is celebrate his life. And, and you know, it it's enjoy the time with your friends and family and enjoy the hockey that, that will be here. Now, it might be hard for me to enjoy a, a sweet transition here from Adam Johnson to the lowly San Jose Sharks. I'll enjoy the other hockey that's good when the Sharks are playing opponents of quality like vegas or colorado um but uh keep out you know sharks are back in town i'm able to get some good content out there i've got some stuff in the works about to post an article myself right now that i'm sure when this is out you will have all read already but uh like i like uh paul said if you find all the stuff on the hockey news for me it's thn.com san jose and as you can see below us, our Twitter handles and whatnot. Sorry, our X handles, X formerly Twitter handles. Uh, but, Paul, this has been fun. This has been the NutriZone podcast. And keep an eye out for all the hockey news on the hockey news. Uh, this has been the NutriZone podcast for Paul De Los Santos. I'm Max Miller. And we'll see you guys in a week.